the world is changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is lost, for none now live who remember it. It began with the forging of the great podcasts. Three were recorded by the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven by the dwarf lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine podcasts were recorded by the race of men who above all else desire power. For within these podcasts was bound the strength and will to listen to each race. But they were all of them deceived, for another podcast was made. In the land of Spokane, in the fires of Mark's kitchen, the Dark Lords Mark and Gabe forged, in secret, a master podcast to be listened to above all others. And into this podcast, they poured their absurdity, their quippy dialogue, and their will to talk all things Tolkien. Welcome to the first episode of Minds of Moria. I'm Mark. And I'm Gabe. So you may know us from our other podcast, Voice of the Rebellion, where we talk about all things Star Wars. But in this podcast, we're going to talk all things Middle Earth. So Gabe... We have new listeners, I assume. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, it's, the same, wanna... it's the same Ted people who listen yeah, to the other exactly. <laughs> We have no, we have we have two people who listen to our other yeah. podcast. Five times each. Yes. <laughs> um, so go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and okay. what's your background with Tolkien. Okay. Um, well, my general background's not that impressive, but um, so I'm Gabe. Uh, I am almost twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means. The Lord of the Rings movies were coming out when I was in middle school. Yeah. Um, so, like, prime time for, like... I feel really, really old. Yeah. Ha-ha. <laughs> um, um, Lord of the Rings is what got me into, like, the whole fantasy realm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. not a huge reader. I haven't actually read the books. This is where yeah. everyone starts turning off the podcast. Um, but... Uh, I, don't worry. <laughs> don't tune, tune up, because I will fix that for yeah, you. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but no, I, I mean I've always had uh, a love for him. Even before the movies, we had watched the um, animated Hobbit movie. Um, yeah, my brother, my brother and I, mm-hmm. uh, and we loved that as kids. You can find that on YouTube in pieces, so it's pretty entertaining to yeah. go back and watch it. Yeah. Um, so of course, uh, yeah, when the actual Lord of the Rings movies came out, um, loved them, and then uh, yeah, then just uh, Hobbit came out, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I have to say other than the fact that I love it. Yeah. But, but Mark, on the other hand. Yeah. So um, my dad is a huge, huge Tolkien nerd, like everything. Um, not quite at Stephen Colbert level, yeah, but close. It's peak Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I grew up with it like in the house. 
Um, my grandma owned the Hobbit animated movie and the Return of the King animated movie. And so anytime we were over there, we'd play that, watch it. And then she also had, they had a board game that came out back in the day that was the Return of the King board game mm. that was based on the cartoon. And you went through and like had to collect, you played different characters from it and you had to collect different rings um, like, uh, and so you, and then you, whoever had the most rings at the end, then threw them into Mount Doom one. It was pretty simple. Mm. Um, so we played that all the time and I didn't really like know the full story because again, it was the return of the King cartoon. So I had no idea what happened before <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> all I knew was like, cause they give like a brief little overview at the beginning and there was this whole song, Frodo of the Nine Fingers and the Ring of Doom. And so we would sing that mm. song, um, growing up and, uh, so then in high school, I read the books, and I ended up telling my dad that I thought the books were really, really boring and dry, <laughs> and I thought that he was going to throw yeah. me out of the house. <laughs> You're upset um, And, oh, and like, um, he had a couple of shirts from the 70s that were Lord of the Rings shirts, so he had a Gandalf and an Aragorn shirt, so I'd wear these yeah. old vintage shirts that had images of, like, Gandalf and, Ar and Aragorn on them. He was really committed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, then the movies came out, loved the movies. In fact, I was like following the news on the internet, like leading mm -hmm. up to it and like trying to find everything I could about it. Um, yeah. Loved the movies. That caused me to then go back and read the books again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. I <laughs> um, was able to um, enjoy it a lot more. Then went and read The Silmarillion, which is the sort of the Bible of Middle Earth. So it goes right. through the whole history um, and then I've not read like the unfinished tales or, um, he's got a couple of different books that are sort of his notes, like assembling his ideas of middle earth and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, which we'll definitely dive into in an episode. Um, and then, um, I've read children of Hurin, but not the other two, which we'll discuss in our news, um, section. So that's my, oh, and then I also, um, collect and paint the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit miniatures. Um, yeah. and I've played that quite a bit. Um, and so, yeah, I've got, I've got yeah. quite a bit of Tolkien. My favorite is the Lord of the Rings living card game. Yeah. Yeah. It's the cooperative card game where you both, uh, fight an encounter deck and, and the deck is always structured in a way that feels like the actual story. Yes. Yeah, so you actually feel uh, like you're like doing yeah, something like, and, um, uh, so yeah, I, I've got like almost every expansion to that. Yeah. Know. It's a really, really cool game too. So, yeah. um, let's go ahead and we're going to, so after we do our main, like sort of intros at the beginning of each show, we then move on to the news. news. So we're going to go ahead and talk about a few different pieces of news that we've got. In the middle of the earth, in the land of Shire, lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. First of all, there is a new book coming out from Tolkien. So Christopher Tolkien has gone through and basically since his father's death has, like he's the one who assembled the Silmarillion out of his father's notes. Um, and then all the different books have all been assembled by Christopher Tolkien. Mm -hmm. And Christopher is the one who, when he was off in World War II, J.R.R. Tolkien was sending him like pieces of the book, mm. like to sort of keep him entertained. Like, yeah. Because The Hobbit was sort of the story that he told him when, his, when he was a kid and growing up. Mm. So, um, uh, 
so Christopher has assembled all these different books and there's this trilogy that he's sort of been doing. Um, Children of Hurin, then Baron and Luthien, and now The Fall of Gondolin. Um, so all three of those are stories from the Silmarillion. And so when Christopher Tolkien first assembled it, he sort of like trimmed things down or removed things that, were, that weren't quite fitting into the, the book format. Um, so, and then he's gone back and assembled his father's stuff and then, you know, added in his own stuff. Cause he knows his father's voice so well. Yeah. And at this point he's, he himself is like 70 or 80. Yeah. So, um, but then he's gone and done stuff. So like the children of Hurin is about, um, it just mentions in passing in the Silmarillion that, um, I believe, uh, Melkor ended up, it was either Melkor or Sauron ended up cursing the children of Hurin and it names the two children of Hurin. And then it moves on. And you're like, what is, who is this guy and why are they getting cursed? Um, and so there's a whole book on that. And then Baron and Luthien is the love story between a human and an elf. And there, it's sort of like the, the pre-story. Let's hope that's good. The love story in the Hobbit movies. Yeah. That was good, right? <laughs> um, but this, the story essentially is... Um, the precursor to Aragorn and Arwen. Um, and they have all kinds of adventures. And when Tolkien died, um, his, him and his wife's graves, um, it says, uh, he, beneath her name, it says Luthien and beneath his name, it says Marin. Cause he always considered himself a mortal and his wife was like this beautiful elf maid. And so, so they um, were, they were so Aragorn and Arwen before Aragorn and Arwen. Were exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is is the fall of Gondolin, which is um, this amazing city. Like imagine Minas Tirith, but like a thousand times as amazing. And it was destroyed by the forces of Morgoth, who's Sauron's boss. Um, and um, is it like the worst tragedy that ever befell Middle Earth ever? And it took place like five thousand years before Lord of the Rings. Um, and so it, it's mentioned, it's spoken of so in the Silmarillion, was, but now it's a full book. It was destroyed by Morgoth personally. Like him and all of his forces, I think right around that time is when like dragons first appeared in Middle Earth. Um, and so like everybody's like, what the hell are those things? What was the motivation? Why was he like, I want the city to, to burn just, oh, no, just I, for chaos. Yeah. Morgoth was all about chaos and, um, it was like the greatest like free city where like the elves and the humans lived in peace together and stuff like that. And there was this massive war that was going on yeah. all across. There was this whole extra continent called Valeriand that yeah. Gondolin was located in. Um, that's now like at the bottom of the ocean. So um, Gondolin was like the the great free city, and at, as he was in the middle of like wiping out all the areas around Gondolin, and then finally destroyed Gondolin itself. Okay. We'll be talking more about that when you actually when it comes out and you read the yeah. book. Yep. Um, so, uh, the exciting news. Yes. Um, this is a, th that was exciting to me. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm like a degenerate, like I didn't go to college and I don't read. So yeah, yeah I don't know what I'm doing here, but, uh, television. <laughs> yeah. That I could do. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, there, obviously everyone's excited for the Lord of the Rings television show that Amazon is making. Yeah. Um, the first piece of news that they really put out was that the first season was going to be on a young Aragorn. Yeah. And it sounds like the other seasons, uh, there's five total, the others will be um, about different characters. So it'll be kind of more like yeah. an anthology series. 
so there's a there's a, a famous fantasy series called Dragonlance. It's mm-hmm. a lot of people's like introduction into fantasy. It's pretty straightforward, simple. Um, and after like this core story where they had it was like these six characters all getting together and going on an adventure. Like a few years later, they came out this whole thing called the I think it was called the adventure <clears throat> the adventures um, sextet because it was a six part series and each one was sort of like the backstories of each of the main characters. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm kind of hoping that they do with this. That it's sort of each season's on a main character. Yeah. So like you could go back and do like, like Gimli's whole backstory. Like how did he end up like, yeah, he's the, he's the son of this massive hero of Erebor. Yeah. And now, Lord. yeah. Gimli. Son of Lord. <clears throat> so what like uh, adventures did he go on and stuff like that? It would be, yeah. be kind of cool. And then, yeah, obviously Aragorn's probably going to be about just being raised in yeah. Rivendell. Um, do a whole do a whole season, like, the origins of Gandalf, and you get to see him come to Middle-earth and everything. Uh, and, well, that might be too high concept, right? Because he's uh, just some crazy spirit. Yeah, like, I mean, we'll, <laughs> I will definitely do an entire episode on the Maiar <laughs> yeah. um, and all that. Um, so, you know, what I want to see a season on is so the there's a quote from Treebeard in Two Towers yeah. where he's like, um, we couldn't find all the women, the tree the end women. Yeah. Um and he's like 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 they're like, where'd they go? Like, no, like we just lost them. Mm-hmm. We couldn't find them. I want a season to be about the ant women and they're actually conspiring to leave all the, the male ants. <laughs> like we're done with they these can't guys. stand it anymore. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like picture like Handmaid's Tale, like they're <laughs> they're being oppressed by the male ants, and they finally rise up and just leave, and that gives context to the quote in yeah. Two Towers. Yeah, that's what I want to see. So a whole season, that's all. The about. whole season. Yeah, everybody's speaking real slow. <laughs> oh my god! Anyone think about that? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, they got writers. Yeah. Nobody knows who they are. Um, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're writing the upcoming Star Trek Four and the upcoming Jungle Cruise movies. And Ooh. that's like all they're known for, for stuff that hasn't come out yet. Huh. So. It's really interesting. One, I mean, one good thing that you can probably get from it is that J.J. Abrams like picked them for Star Trek Four. Yeah. So we had to have picked them for a reason. Yeah. Like, he has to know they're good writers. So I assume they'll do a good job with... Yeah. I hope with so. ...with the show. But, yeah, since we don't even know who they are, there's not really much I guess, to say about it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, they got they got writers, so at least they're, you know, they're starting... Yeah, they're working, although they said that it probably wasn't going to air until 2021. Yeah. So it's going to be a slow, slow wait. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of does it for the news. Um... So, after news, we're going to go to our main topic. And today's topic is... What, what keeps, keeps... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. What, no, you go ahead. What keeps evil at bay. Oh, okay. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. So, most of our main topics will be about uh, themes in Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Yeah. Um, among other things. Um, I just wanted to start with a real softball one. Um, 
what keeps evil at bay. Uh, probably my favorite quote from all of Tolkien is Gandalf's quote when he says, Saruman believes it's only great power that can hold evil in hold check. Hold on, hold on. Saruman <laughs> believes that it is only great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I found it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folks that keeps the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so my, my favorite theme in Lord of the Rings is the theme of small acts of kindness and love um, and also mercy. Um, those are the things that allow the heroes to ultimately win. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just this, even though it's displayed a lot, it's not just this giant army versus giant army. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of want to talk about like what, what are the small acts that made it possible for the ring um, to be destroyed. And I think you have to go back to Bilbo sparing Gollum in The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, Bilbo, you know, says, I've never used a sword in my life. And Gandalf, and I hope you never have to. But if you do remember, true courage is about knowing when, knowing (laughs) not when to take a life, but when to spare one. Um, and then ultimately he spares Gollum, which yeah. I think that is actually portrayed very well in the first Hobbit movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He looks like he wants to, and he just like takes pity on him. Yeah. Um, and that mercy towards Gollum specifically um, is ex- as, um, extended to in the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, and Bilbo, or not, sorry, uh, Frodo, you know, he notices Gollum is chasing him in the cave. Yeah. And... In the in the minds of Moria, oh. my, um, and he's like it was talking a, crap. It was a pity, about him. It yeah. was a pity Bilbo yeah. didn't kill him yeah. when he had the chance. Um, so then uh, Gandalf says, "Pity, it was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Pity and mercy, not to strike without need, and he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that." Uh, that he took so little hurt from the evil and escaped in the end because he began his ownership of the rings so with pity. Which I believe that quote is from the book. It's from the book. Yeah, it's the yeah, book quote. It is. Yeah. Um, and then... That's the thing, is that when they went and did the movies, they mm-hmm. like took his quotes yeah. and made them a bit more like precise. Right, well, so, <laughs> so the modern audience could understand what yeah. they're talking about. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, and then obviously Frodo... Um, showed pity towards Gollum throughout the entire yeah. rest of the story. Um, and only through that was Gollum able to make it in the end to where they were. And ultimately mm-hmm. Gollum's the one that destroyed the ring. Yeah. Um, and if they had not shown mercy or pity towards him, mm-hmm. uh, Frodo would have been selfish and put on the ring and left mm-hmm. just like a sealed door before him. Yeah. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Well, if you think about it, like uh, if you go back to Bilbo sparing Gollum, yeah, like if in an act of hatred and evil he had killed Gollum, mm-hmm. like would he would he would he have put on the ring and yeah. then just decided to stay in the cave himself too, and more susceptible to his evil? Um, yeah, yeah, and that's that's actually that's a really great point because one thing that um, so like I. 
when it comes to um, stories in general, I'm always for like the really like goody two shoes characters. Yeah. And I like hate anti heroes with passion. Yeah. Um, and so the argument, you know, is always made like, well, you have to like kill the bad guys so they don't do something bad again. Yeah. Um, but the greatest argument I always like against that is, yeah, but you you take away a part of yourself so that it's easier to do those bad things again yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Like if you say, well, I'm going to kill this bad guy. Yeah, maybe it would have been the right thing to do then. It becomes easier to say, well, I should probably kill the next one too and mm-hmm. so forth. And you kind of go down this path of, of evil um, yeah. when you take part in these evil acts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, if Bilbo had decided then to um, – because – because things are about habit too. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. Aristotle was all about saying that like um, morality is a habitual thing. Like yeah. You uh, were creatures of habit. So um, if Bilbo had killed, it'd be easier for him to kill. Just mm-hmm. out of habit. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, he probably would have stayed in the cave and become a new golem. Yeah. Um, and then they probably wouldn't have destroyed the ring. Yeah. Because um, then Bilbo wouldn't have been able to talk Frodo into going on an adventure. And, exactly, yeah. And and whatnot. Gotta love that one. Alright. So then Gandalf also says, Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. So yeah, it's like we were saying, like dealing out death is the opposite of the small acts of love yeah. um, that is consistent throughout the series. Um, so what are some other small acts that you can think of? Um, actually, like, side note, when I was watching The Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. uh, with my parents for the first time, um, and Gladrill comes on and she says, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. By Bob, like, turns down to me and I'm a, I'm a really short person. Yeah. And she's like, see, Change the <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I'm like, Thanks Bob. Like, it's so depressing. like, I've always been smaller than everyone else. And, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> also when we saw the, uh, the beauty and the beast play. Yeah. Uh, we were, we were just watching it and she like turns over like, you know, you could play LeFou. <laughs> you did it again, Bob. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> build me up I think yeah um but anyways the point being that the smallest person like a hobbit mm-hmm. can change the course of the future and my favorite scene in Fellowship of the Ring or possibly the entire trilogy is when Aragorn like moves towards Frodo at Ammon Hen and is um Frodo thinks that he's going to take the ring, and instead, Aragorn, who believes that he is wrapped up in the, like the stain of Isildur, that he himself will like is is going to be forced to succumb to the ring at some point. Yeah, that he just wraps his hands around Frodo's and closes the ring in his hands and is like, yeah. "No, like you're taking this. I'm going to fight off this whole army of orcs." So that you can get away, so that you can fix this, because I know that I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and that's completely consistent with because Boromir, as, as opposed to Boromir's decision, because he mm-hmm. wants to use the ring, um, its great power, 
Yeah. Um, because he thinks great power is what keeps evil in check. Yeah. As we started the segment with Gandalf's quote, the small acts of love is yeah. what keeps it in check. So letting Frodo go, um, that small act is what eventually leads to the success again of the yeah. movie story because Frodo can go on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not by himself because Sam, I mean, Sam's love for mm-hmm. Frodo is probably what drives the entire thing yeah, forward. Yeah. Like, without Sam, I don't see how any of this could have been done. Yeah. Um, just his friendship. Yeah. Um, those, like his, like Sam's speech when all seems lost. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, everyone knows that speech. Um, yeah. I constantly listen to that when I'm feeling real down about stuff in the news. Yeah. Like if something really bad has happened, it's like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I listen yeah. to this, I listen to Sam's speech and it's like, yeah. you know, like that there's, because Frodo asked, like, what are we holding on to, Sam? It's like, there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Yeah. I mean, without, without just that small act of, um, inspirational love, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they wouldn't be able to move forward. Yeah, on the on the quest and hold the burden. Yeah. Um, so, uh, are there any other examples of like small acts you can think of? I'm trying to think. I mean, throughout there's like yeah. there's Aragorn tossing Gimli because <laughs> he had to toss him. Well, yeah. And, and and Gimli sacrificing, you know, his and, honor, and, yeah, and being willing to be humiliated yeah. in front of the elf, yeah, I know, was a small act, yeah. That ultimately, Legolas <laughs> surfing down those stairs. <laughs> so, um, these actions, these small little acts of kindness, contrast with the massive armies, the great powers. Yeah, it's interesting that they go out of their way to display these big grand battles. But in the end, the big, the big grand armies don't actually matter. Yeah. At all. I mean like, well, literally the last battle was just so Frodo can go do his thing. Aragorn never had to like march his armies to Mordor. Like it, it, what it did was it kept Sauron's eye away from Mount Doom. But it wasn't like the result of that war, that battle did not actually matter at all. Yeah. There was nothing about it no. that actually um, mattered. Now, um, a little, like, tiny bit of trivia. Yeah. In, originally, they were planning on having Sauron himself, like, come out of the gates and fight against Aragorn. Hey, guys. That basically, Sauron. like, it was it was that his power was growing so much that he was able to finally manifest again. Mm-hmm. And, but then when they decided not to do that, they just swapped it out with a troll, which is why, like, Aragorn's big fight isn't against, like, of some boss orc or something. Oh. It's against just some random troll. <laughs> it's because they filmed Aragorn fighting something big on a green screen. And then they were like, I, I guess a troll then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, ultimately, uh, so to put all of this kind of in a summary mm-hmm. in context, um, go ahead and read, uh, Gandalf's quote that I got from the book here. It is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the succor of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after 
may have clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. So, you know, whatever grand battles yeah. are going on that are ultimately a distraction, yeah. um, tilling the field that you're in, yeah. uprooting the evil yeah. around you and your communities, yeah. um, developing those habits of you know, being more good-natured, mm-hmm. being kind, having mercy, that is what keeps evil at bay. Well, and also, um, there's, I believe it's a German, like, um, proverb that says that, or no, it's a Greek proverb that says what, like, the great societies are built by men planting trees that they will never eat the fruit of. Yeah. That by doing something that is, is a sacrifice now, that's exactly what Gandalf's saying there. Is that like we're doing this now so that the next generation will be able to till these fields that we fought battles over? They're, they'll just become simple farmers. It's so the same way that you see people, they always like to share pictures of like the guys storming the beaches of Normandy and they're like, yeah. kids today are so weak. And you're like, yeah, but that's like kind of the point of the Battle of Normandy was that this terrible thing happened so that the future generations wouldn't have to do the, like, do you want? the Nazis to come back. Like, yeah. so it's, um, and that's exactly what Gandalf was talking about is that like these actions that we do now will matter because our children and our children's children will finally be at peace. Yeah. So, and to prevent any future yeah. evil, you have to keep up those, those habits. Of yeah, exactly. Those, those small acts yeah. of kindness. Yeah. It's a nice, short, simple, yeah. straightforward sure. topic. Yeah. Good, good softball that, that starter. Gives you a good idea of what we're going to be yeah. talking about and stuff. Um, after we do our main topic, because Gabe has not read the books or anything, he only knows what is in the like 15 hours of film. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more to Middle Earth than all that. What? So we're going to go in a little history lesson <laughs> from right. me, who is a history major. And better get my paper and pens. Yep, there will be a there will be a test. Oh no. Well he fought with the goblins. He battled a troll. He riddled with Gollum. A magic ring he stole. Alright, so before we begin this history lesson, I did forget one thing yeah. to mention in our introductions, like what we know what like our introduction to Tolkien was mm-hmm. back in high school. I played the role of Gollum in the Hobbit musical. Um, no there was yeah, there was a Hobbit musical. Yes, we performed it downtown um, at the. I'm the bringing the ring. It, the music. Like, here's like, the thing. Like, what was like was my like upbeat? Like what? My sister recently was asked to be the musical director of of it um, for like the they were going to redo it. The pro- she said no because the music is so bad. It's like it's really, really, really bad music. And the director had never read the books, had never seen the movies, so he didn't. And at the time, Fellowship of the Ring was the only movie that had come out. But he also never read the books, knew nothing about Middle Earth, and he had this bright red nose because he was this old dude who was always showing up to to have it was it was children's theater. 
So it was all kids, and he was always drunk. Um, he had no idea what he was doing. And then um, there's a, the riddle. The riddle game was supposed to be a musical, like back and forth between me and and Bilbo. Yeah. And mind you, there was a girl who had like she had really wanted to be Gollum. And she was like, you can't be Gollum. Gollum's supposed to be a twisted hobbit, and you're six foot three. <laughs> and I said, what's a more twisted and deformed hobbit yeah. than one who is six foot yeah. three? <laughs> um, and then I crouched and everything like that. But um, So me and the guy playing Bilbo were like, we're not doing this as a musical number. And like we like set our foot down, and we're like, we're going to do this as like as it is in the book. <laughs> we're directing this now. Yeah, basically. And so I appeared in one scene at the very end of the first act of the two act play. Yeah. So I basically like hung out backstage, then went out and did this, this thing. And I didn't look like Gollum from the movies because at the time we only had fellowship of the ring. So we couldn't even base it on that. Instead I had like this full body suit and then my hair was all like, looked like I had like been rubbed through mud because it was all like <laughs> nasty and like sticking up all over the place. And I had like, those little vampire fangs that attach onto your canines. I only had like one. So I had this one like long fang and I just looked like nasty and green and gross and everything. Um, and so we do the whole scene and then I exit the stage, like hunting for the baggins, like through the audience, like snarling is like the lights are going down. So like the kids in the audience are freaking out because like, they're just hearing my say, nasty rights going past them. Yeah. And then I didn't appear at all until the curtain call. So it was a pretty nice chill gig because I didn't actually do anything. And I got to hang out with all my friends backstage the entire time. I like, now I just really want to see a Hobbit musical. I'm, like, I'm like, sure my parents have the VHS. Like I might need to, I might need to copy we'll get, that. I'll have to get it uploaded yeah. on the YouTube or something. So, uh, yeah. So now we're going to move on to our history. Yeah. Topic. What did that have to do with that? Well, no, it's, I forgot to mention that. And I think yeah. that's a pretty big yeah. thing. That's really, that is critical to understanding Me. you in this podcast. Yes. So, um, we're going to be talking about the stewards of Gondor. So I, when figuring out our first history lesson, I think that Mark was offended because I said that Denethor, there's no, no worth to him at all. Yeah. That he's completely useless character. And you had to inform me that yes. that is not the case. Yes. So take it away. Okay. So um, the stewards of Gondor. What do you think the stewards of Gondor are? I assume they steward Gondor. Okay. They they look after it until a king returns to actually yes. rule them. So based on the movies, um, when do you think the stewards like? Who was the last king before the stewards had to like take power? Well, the movies make it seem like is Sildor. Yeah, because he just like kind of like quests off on his own. It seems like, and then he gets attacked yeah, and killed. killed. Yeah, um, and well, I think uh, I think Alron said that was three thousand years ago. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. I assume they've been stewards <coughs> for three thousand years, yeah. which is insane. Because why wouldn't you just get a new king? Like just yeah. elect a new king. If there's no heirs running around, because a lot of what are the heirs? Middle Earth, Aragorn. Yeah, but like he's not three thousand years old. But we're all the heirs not. between them. So here's the thing: Isildur was not the final king before the God, the stewards of Gondor took power. Okay. There were thirty kings after Isildur. Okay. Before 
There was finally no kings. So even though Isildur, you know, he had an heir. Yes. And he died, and then that heir took over. Yes. Okay. So Isildur died. His younger brother took up the crown. Okay. And Aragorn is descended from the brother of Isildur. So he's not even, like, direct descendant of Isildur. Yeah. He's the brother, so it's not even, like... He's, it's like father to son why to Aragorn. He, why is Aragorn so paranoid that he's going to be like him? Like, what psychologically, I guess maybe that's what the television show will, will look into, yeah, but yeah. like, I don't know if there's been like a stated reason why he's so paranoid well, in, the, evil. in the books, he's much more like, he isn't like rejecting his birthright, like to be king. He's like, yeah, someday I'm going to be king. And he's like, really like, I just need to yeah. make, prove I'm worthy. Someday the, I'm yeah. <laughs> um, Lion King, Hobbit, musical crossover. Bam. Call me up, Disney. I'd watch that. I just did it. So after Isildur is betrayed by the ring, which gave the ring the name Isildur's Bane, okay. his brother took up the crown. There were 30 kings, and then the final one vanished into Minas Morgul when he was challenged by the Witch King. Minas Morgul is the big green castle that all the the ring wraiths are in. Okay. That like you first see it in Fellowship of the Ring when the nine yeah. leave. And then later on you see in Two Towers Gollum right. or yeah. Two, when they're like climbing next to it. Yeah. And, yeah. They're climbing up near it and everything like that. So that's uh Minas Morgul. We'll get into the history of Minas Morgul in a later episode. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. Yeah. Because it's it's a big deal. But he was challenged by the Witch King, moved into the Went into Minas Morgul and then was never seen again. That's the last king of Gondor. Okay, but what? But what happened to his heir? Why is he the last king though? Like, why would why in the next heir just be like, I guess he's gone. I'm king now. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, what were they doing? I don't know. We'll look into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll also we'll, we'll go into the line of Aragorn at some point in history okay. as well. Um, also, which king was it? That um, created all the ghosts. In the, it's like they didn't fulfill an oath. Yes, that was a Sildor. That was a Sildor. Okay. Yes. So what ended up happening was there was these. Um, the, the, the Gondor was kind of like a bunch of kingdoms um, that, when Numenor sank, um, which was like the kingdom, there was this island kingdom that Gondor came from, but it came from it because. There was like these all, all these little petty fiefdoms. Mm-hmm. Numenor sank because reasons. Again, that's another history lesson. Isildur and his and his family came over um, to um, the mainland and ended up setting up Gondor. Then, during a big huge uh, before a big battle thing, he went to these guys and were like do you swear to me that you'll join me in this battle? And they were like, we swear. And then they didn't. And they didn't. And so it cursed them. And so until... So there were the, ghosts there for 3,000 years. Yes. And they... Wait, were they, they like, were, were they like cursed to be confined there? Like, why didn't they venture beyond the caves? They, they, they were... They had to stay basically within their kingdom. Okay. Which was that region. Yeah. There. Um... But we can get in at some point. I'll do like here's the thing. There's there's a lot of history here. Yeah. Um. And we'll I'll go into like the life of Isildur and everything. Okay. At some point as well. All right. 
So. So, where were we? Yes. The king disappeared in the... So the stewards of Gondor, who had been advisors to the king before... Okay, so they the were kings, advisors. They had always been there. They were like they were, they were like hand of the king. They were the grand viziers, then, yeah. yes. Um, they were um, outside of the king's bloodline, mm-hmm. but then the stewardship was also um, hereditary. So it was also so, passed down father to son. Why? Just because that's like the only form of government they understand? Yeah. Is monarchies? Yeah. Are they and, the only form of government too? No, well, I mean, there's like mayorships and stuff like that, yeah. like in in the Shire and like, stuff like that. There's much smaller more governments like, yeah. that are like maybe. More, um, but other than that, no. And and Tolkien was very big on monarchical yeah. governments. He was perfectly fine with like the blood right of kings and stuff like that. Those yeah. Um, so the stewards of Gondor were placed in charge to sit in the seat of the king until his eventual return, because prophecy said that the, the king. Would someday return. Who made this prophecy? No, I don't know. <laughs> that we'll do a whole history. Sounds of like you should have come more prepared, Mark. Yeah. Um. So Denethor is the son of Ecthelion the second. Okay. Denethor is the twenty-sixth steward of Gondor. Okay. His wife was a princess from Dol Amroth, which was a vassal state to Gondor. So basically, it was like its own. Not quite kingdom because it didn't have a king. Okay. But it was like a set a state, um, I believe south of Gondor, and she was a princess of Dol Amroth. Okay. Um but then his when his wife died, he ended up becoming bitter over her death. So that's why he got crazy. He began to go a little bit crazy, but then they ended up finding a palantir, and that ended up and he thought, and oh, I can it? use this. And what's okay. the Palantir again? So the Palantir were created like thousands and thousands and thousands of years before. Mm-hmm. And they are the, called the Seeing Stones. And the idea is, is that um, when you look into a Palantir, you can see out through other Palantirs. You cannot hear out through other Palantirs, but you can see. And you can see in the direction that you're facing. So palantirs were often placed on pedestals and then you just sort of like move around the pedestal to see around and they could use it to like, like they would, could like write messages and then like show it to the palantir mm. to this, to talk. And, um, but that's what the, the Saruman had, right? Yes. Yeah. And when Pippin picked it up, Pippin picked it up yeah. because more, um, uh, Sauron himself had a palantir. Okay, but that that I understand though, because yes. if Sauron is now this like spirit who's barely yes. alive, who's being contained on top of this tower, yes, um, how does he have a palantir? Because the the tower itself has a palantir, and he he like basically it is like possessed. A no, but there's a palantir there. <laughs> okay, and he's basically possessed. Gotcha. Like the 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 castle right. of Barad-dur itself. All right. So, so I'm like a technical guy yeah. here. I gotta, so like um gotta work this stuff out. Weathertop. Yes. From Fellowship? Yes. That used to be a watchtower that had a palantir on it. Okay. And the palantir that was in Minas Tirith was once in Minas Isil, which was conquered by the forces of Sauron and turned into Minas Morgul. Okay. But they managed to to take that palantir and sneak it away. Gotcha. Um, now, if I get any of this wrong... 
message me and tell so me. So many angry emails. Yeah, because it's entirely possible the Palantir was actually from Warthink, and I'm not quite sure. I may be wrong. So, but I, I yeah. think that that was the Palantir. I think you're going to get angry emails about not knowing Probably. what happened to the heir of uh, the king that disappeared. Yeah. So those those Palantirs they're able to see through, and that's and then basically Sauron touched his mind. Okay. And touched Denethor. Are we back touched to Denethor's now? mind. Okay. Yeah. And drove him insane. Mad. Yeah. Okay. Was he like a, a decent guy before that? He was okay. okay. He was like a cruel father, but the problem was is because of his wife. His wife died yeah. when the sons were young. Why does and he turn him cruel? Why does he like Boromir so much better than Faramir? Well, Boromir is the oldest, so Boromir is going to be the next steward. So just because he's so older. he's favored because yeah. he's he's supposed to basically take Denethor's spot. So he's going to get more focus from his father. Yeah. And also Faramir wasn't like the big strong buff. Yeah, he seemed more like a champion. Side. Yeah, right. and he was, and he led scouts, and he was much, you know. Yeah, he wasn't the like straightforward, like on the battlefield warrior going in and kicking ass and taking names. Okay, so those are the stewards of Gondor. So the people of Gondor are just fine. The fact that they don't have a king, they're just okay with it. Yeah, I mean, they're what, just like whatever. Yeah, they didn't really have any other choice. I mean, basically, the stewards are the kings, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, like. Boromir thinks that he is going to be the next steward of Gondor. Yes. Right? Which is why he cares so much about, like, protecting his people. Yeah. That's why he's um, like, we can use this ring. Like, I can protect my people. Knowing all that gives way better context to, like, when he, like, first realizes Aragorn. Yeah. the heir. Yeah. At the meeting. I know. This this Aragorn is suddenly, yeah. like, he's going to take he's my... Like, threat to him. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that makes it more touching in the end when Boromir's like, like you're my brother, my captain, like yeah, my king, my king, yeah, like oh, he yeah, like, exactly he's understands like that he failed, that he, Aragorn succeeded. He gets told of the Council of Elrond, you are going to be usurped, and now we need to go on this mission with this guy who's going to take your throne from you. Yeah, and like as much as like the steward's job is to like wait for the kings to show up and then give up the seat, yeah, like that's still. You'd be the he'd be the twenty seventh steward of Gondor. That's twenty seven generations. Yeah. I mean, they're basically abandoned like, by the heirs, apparently. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so that's why he's like Gandor, or, uh, Gondor has no king. Gondor Gondor needs no king. Gondor hasn't had a king. Yeah. So like, what is it? What does Gondor need a king yeah. for? And only realizing um, through Aragorn's love that he is yeah. the better choice, and, and mm-hmm. that's why he's his king. Yeah. And then he... Exactly. And he does. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, I feel like I have a better understanding of the Stuarts of Gondor now. Yeah. So. And now you know that we need to talk about uh, Numenor. <laughs> so much. <laughs> we need to talk about, yeah, everything. We need to talk about Isildur. I, I, I think I most want to know what happened to the heirs of, of the king that disappeared. Okay. So next yeah. episode, this is the cliffhanger. Next episode, we're going to answer that question. What happened yeah. to the... Heirs of Isildur. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so that about wraps it up. Yeah. So um, we'll try to, you know, work on the kinks a bit. It takes a few episodes to kind of get a good groove going, I think. Yeah. Um, I actually enjoyed the history lesson more than, than the main topic. So. And I think, you're, I think you're surprised by that. I think you were like, All oh, right, I am. Um, I think that we might want to make the main topic shorter and extend the history lesson. Longer, yeah, absolutely. Because that's going to be a much that. more interesting discussion. Yeah. So, 
I mean, there, there maybe we'll do even do an episode at some point where we will simply like, I will do like an extended history lesson of a of a topic, yeah. and we'll just sort of go through there, and you can ask questions along the way. Yeah. So, all right. So we will see you next time. We're going to be recording these about every other week mm-hmm. um, because in the weeks in between, we're going to record our Voice of the Rebellion podcast. Yeah. Um, so we so will. So if you like Star Wars, yes, check out Voice of the Rebellion. And that one we've been going on for almost yeah. 30 episodes yeah. now, so we've, like, really... I'm like, allowed to curse in that one, so... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we will go ahead and see you next time on uh, The Minds of Moria. Yeah. Thank you. The God of Podcast. A podcast! On a treasure of silver and gold, a muffin on his pipe in his hobbit ho ho, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only.